dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the passing of Danny from Sadie Hawkins Pod, who took his own life much too young. But even more important is the fact that it's me! I'm Danny from Sadie Hawkins Pod, and I'm alive! I faked my suicide! What? Here I am, Jess. Aren't you happy? Aren't you overjoyed now? We're gonna laugh. We'll cry. What the fuck, Danny? Not the reaction I was expecting. Everyone thought you were dead. We spent $35,000 on this funeral. Oh, shit. I'm faking my own suicide Because I know you love me You just haven't Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of fun here on Sadie Hawkins Pod, but just to get serious for one second, <laughs> because this song does deal with a serious topic, although it deals with it in sort of a lighthearted tone, we just right off the top of the show want to mention the National Suicide Prevention Life uh, Lifeline. If you are suffering from anything serious in relation to this topic, please call 1-800-273-8255. You are not alone, and there are better ways to solve problems than to take your own life. Yeah, you're not alone. Yes. That's just, we wanted to say that off the top of the show, and we have a lot to talk about with this song. <laughs> this song is not as serious as those first few moments opening today's episode, but we have a lot to talk about with it. This um, is like the pina colada song. Like, <laughs> no one is laughing and rekindling the romance after these events. But no, that's the thing is, I definitely have my own opinions on this this song. And unlike the pina colada song, which I think is sincere, I don't think that this song is 100% sincere. I don't think when you listen to this song, you can absolutely take it for only its face value. And we'll totally get into that. So basically, before we pick this song to be our first coming out of our first block of episodes, where now we're open to pick whatever song we want every week, we're like, what are we going to do? We left it open to a survey online, and we said, who, you know, we, we picked four songs, and we put a Twitter poll up, and we're like, what do you guys want us to do? It was... uh yeah, we each picked two. I think you picked Lion-O. Right, I picked Lion-O. That was one of them. One. I did Faking My Own Suicide and Overthinking. And I picked Lion-O and Softer to me. And uh-huh. I'll tell you, Lion-O, not even close. No <laughs> chance for Lion-O. I thought it would just be fun to talk about Thundercats this week. Cause... We could do that next week. Yeah. And Softer to me, I've got a great personal story in relation to me and the band. In real Ooh, life, now I'm was excited. Softer to me to talk about when we get to that song. Softer to me was second with 31% of the vote. Overthinking was 25%. Softer to me and Fake and My Own Suicide were also tied for right up to oh, the wow. end. Um, and this was all with 16 votes. So, and then Lion-O was just totally crushed at 6%. Like, Softer not to me is their digits. screamo number. No, it's not. <laughs> it doesn't count as screamo. Um... 
I apologize for my voice today. I'm a little under the weather. You're, you sound fine. You sound great. But off the top, we have some voicemails to get to. Ooh. We have voicemails. So here's the first one. And wait a minute. What's the number? Because have you maybe oh. been getting the number wrong? Well, I definitely got the suicide prevention hotline number yes. correct. And, and just to say one more time, that is 1-800-273-8255 for suicide prevention hotline. That's a real number. Call that if you really need help. If you were someone you know needs help, you know. please, please reach out. But our phone number, which is a voicemail line where you can leave us voicemails about your thoughts on the show and your thoughts on songs that we're doing or have done. And please, if you've just started listening to the podcast and like episodes weeks back, you have thoughts or things you think we missed, please call, leave us a voicemail, tell us what we've been doing wrong. It's 402-95-SADIE. I keep saying the wrong... (laughs) area Area code code. (laughs) or typing the wrong area code because i want it to be the number of a certain highway in los angeles but it is not so if i i told jessica if you ever hear me say the number of that highway freeway it's called in california you know i've said something wrong yep so again it's 40295 sadie we have an email which is sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and our instagram and our twitter are both Sadie Hawkins pod. Uh, But we did get two voicemails this week, and I was thinking about messing with you again. (laughs) And being like, it's like, Danny and Jessica, it's me, W.C. Field, or something. I don't know. (laughs) But we really did get two voicemails this week. W.C. Fields. So let's go ahead and listen to this. Hi, uh, my name is Jonathan Diaz. I'm from Miami, Florida. Uh, I think I'm the biggest Reliant K fan in Miami, Florida. I'm, I know I'm not the only one, but I'm definitely the biggest. I have uh, almost all the vinyls and all the CDs. Um, you can find me on Instagram um, as JJDTK2. And actually, you guys like the video of mine on Instagram. Um, and that's how I found the podcast. I uh, just wanted to say I really love the podcast. I, I heard a couple of um, uh, episodes already. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, my favorite all-time album from Reliant K is actually Forget Not Slow Down. I think there's definitely some magic to it where uh, the guys were able to, to evolve and the songwriting changed a little bit. It wasn't as silly. It was a little more serious uh, as a guitarist. Um, the tone was a little, like much more mature. The drums, as like I'm studying music education and sound production, so I can hear the difference in quality from uh, Capitol Records to um go to records to when they were just doing forget not slow down and the drums even sound a little more uh ethan described it as organic it's just a beautiful 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 album um but uh, i was just listening to the don't blink uh podcast and uh collapse of the lung was definitely an interesting album first time i heard it i remember being in the car with my worst leader we had just bought it on iTunes and we were listening to it and I was mad the whole time. I was like, this isn't Reliant K. What is going on? Uh, um, and I didn't like it. I, I did like Don't Blink and Collapsible Lung, the last song, and I hated everything else. Now, a couple years after the album is released, I can listen back to the album and really appreciate everything. I actually really, really like the album I like 
Gloria and Boomerang. And uh, if I could take you home. And um, I just think it's a very weird album. I, I see it more as a time where Matt Thiessen was just kind of unsure of, of everything. Um, but yeah, huge fan of the show. I can't wait to hear the one for Air for Free, for Bummin' specifically. I think that's a great album, too. I think that was their redemption uh, album after uh, Collapsible Lung. And it really did get cut off there <clears throat> because um, Jonathan event- then immediately wrote to us on Instagram and was like, hey, I think I just left you the longest voicemail in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Google Voice does have a three-minute limit. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jonathan. That's great. And it's good to know, you know, because we haven't heard back from a lot of people yet about Collapsible Long and how yeah. they feel about the album. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's mostly going to be about the same. Like a lot of people are generally confused yeah. on it who yeah. are long-term fans. I mean, especially when it first came out where you're just like, what is this? And then, I mean, yeah, being detached from it a few years, you can yeah. go back and be like, oh, okay. But, but we've yeah. done it. We've talked enough about yeah. Collapse Along. We even talked about it in Bummin, where he was looking yeah. forward to it. I hope he enjoyed our Bummin discussion. But that's great. We're And we we originally, well, we met in Florida. We met yep. in Orlando. Yeah. We Jessica's talked about it. We've talked about it. Um, uh, and we've got another voicemail, and this is from Rich. Hey, Jess and Danny. This is Rich. Uh, Nelson, how are you doing? Um, uh, I have a podcast as well, but it's terrible. <laughs> Anyways, listen, I listened to um, the one episode. Oh, I'm listening to that song over and over again, but I can't remember it. Uh-oh. I think he's talking, so just the peek behind the curtain. Oh, I was like, did it cut off no, 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 I paused it. <laughs> peek behind the curtain. This is Rich Nelson, who is a guy who's worked for MXPX. And from doing my MXPX memes account, he and I became friends online because he also does MXPX memes online. And he uh, started, so he started, we've been friends for like over, almost, close to two years now. Yeah, Rich is cool. Yeah. And uh, he, when <laughs> I started posting about the forget and not slow down the song uh-huh. he was like oh this song's so great he really liked forget and not slow down the uh-huh. song and i think he was only kind of and maybe he'll explain here but he was only kind of aware of relying k and he definitely worked for mxpx at the time of the panic with, with a k tour but i don't think he actually he told me i was like hey did you go on that tour? And he actually like didn't go on that tour or something. Uh-huh. But he was working for MXPX. He That's used to be cool. there. He used to be the guy who like ran their merch center and their fan club and all that kind of stuff. And I've been on his MXPX podcast, and he said it's terrible. It's just that he 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 just does it when he does it. That's the thing. The Poconacha podcast. He didn't yeah. name it. I've been on it a couple of times. Um. So anyway, let's continue. Uh oh. Da 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 da. Anyway. I really like that song, and I remember um, liking a couple of Reliant K songs uh, when I had Pandora, and I guess I never really checked out, you know, or, or remembered what they were, or cared enough to go back and listen to them. But I really did like some of the songs. Um, but that one that you're doing the episode on today, man, I just don't get it. <laughs> Probably religious or something. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Friday tonight. Um, I remember when MXPX toured with uh, Reliant K, Panic with a K, and um, I set my friend Michael up with, um, I think, well, no, yeah, 
Michael Moses, he got the job from me for merch <clears throat> after I left. Uh, no, 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 yeah. I don't remember when. Anyways, Michael Moses did the, the tour. And I just remember going through all the merch out in front of uh, El Corazon or Graceland, whatever it was at the time. I was just so bummed because I had already packed it up nice and neat. And it was just torn apart. <laughs> I cared so much about keeping things cool and clean and everything. But um, I just never really was into them. But there are some songs that I really like. But they're not touring anymore, right? Um, so what is the guy Matt doing? I think you should do, do, some, do an episode on that. Okay, I've rambled long enough. I do enjoy your, your podcast. I'm going to listen to the ones that... I like the songs of, okay? Just so you know. So it's probably not going to be every single one. So, um, but I, I like how you're showing the uh, other videos and, you know, stuff you're finding on YouTube. That one girl that did that one acoustic version, I was really, really impressed with that. Okay, enough rambling. Um, continue all of your endeavors, guys. Uh, you really motiva- motivate me with all this shit that you're doing. I think it's great. Keep it up, all right? Love you. Bye. Thank you very much, Rich. Yes. That was great. <laughs> so he did have a sort of tangential Panic with a K memory yes. from working with MXPX at the time. That's great. That's that, awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you, Rich. Um, it's fun to hear from like people who know a little bit about yeah. stuff. Or we're also in bands and hung out behind the scenes. We have another friend who might have some stories, might come on the podcast later. Yeah. And yeah. Who, and that person has also been on Rich's podcast. Yes. <laughs> And it's funny because you're actually sitting across from me wearing an MXPX t-shirt right now. I am right wearing now. an MXPX shirt today. I'm wearing <laughs> the 20th anniversary of the uh, Left Coast Punk shirt. Uh, I didn't plan it that way. But yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for those voicemails. Um, yeah, thank I forgot you. To Rich mention, and Jonathan. Thanks yes, for calling in, guys. Rich and Jonathan. I forgot to mention, but when on Google Voice, when they translate the voicemail uh-huh. into text for you to read it, Sometimes it couldn't figure out what Reliant K was. So one time it just said, Amer- one time it says, big fan, he said, big fans of Reliant K. And it says, big fans of America. <laughs> I don't know how it heard that. Well, Reliant K is America. That is true. They Even though their lead, they their lead singer was, that's true. Even though their lead singer is not from America originally. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's Canadian. And Rich asked, what is up with Matt Thiessen nowadays? Uh, and he's got his side project, Matt Tiesten and the Earthquakes, which finally came out with their record a couple years ago. Or was it this year? It was recent. It was pretty recent. Yeah. And uh, that band, but although that band had been around for forever, they will come up in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess Reliant K is sort of on a break right now, but it's not really known if they're done, if they're just... Yeah. The, uh, Matt Hoops is working on his pedal company now, his guitar pedal company. So it's like, will Reliant K return? Are they kind of done? I don't think they announced a breakup or even a hiatus. They're just sort of not doing anything right yeah. now. So. And it's just those two. It's pretty much, I mean, by the time we got to air for free, it was pretty much just Matt and Matt. And you know that we picked to do this podcast because we really love the band. Because if we wanted to pick a more active, currently active <laughs> band for better SEO, we could have made it more clickbaity. But no, <laughs> we're doing this because we really want to talk about this band. Uh, but yeah, this week we are talking about, oh, and I put the call out on social media, on Instagram for anyone to give us their thoughts on faking my own suicide Mm -hmm. before the episode, before we recorded. 
Um, so I'll have some of those to read as well. Nice. But then Rich saw the phone number and he called and left. And he was not impressed with this song, which I kind of understand because I don't... <clears throat> I guess we'll start getting into it now. I didn't really care for this song when it was on Five Score and Seven Years Ago. Not even... We kind of picked this song because we thought like... The message of this song is kind of weird, yeah, kind of problematic. Yeah. Maybe this will be fun to discuss. Yeah. But separating that, just the tune, the melody, not even the instrumentation, but just sort of the um, the tune as it is, I was like not crazy about it. In a similar way to how I don't really care for local construction. And it's not like I need a, a hard song or a heavy song or a fast song. Just something about this song... The melody was just too simple for me, or whatever, and it just didn't capture my imagination. Like it's it didn't. Got the banjo, it's really. Cool. It is nice. It is a really nice song, but I just don't find it like. Is this the one where they play the me. vibes or whatever? Is that like? Yeah, um, yeah. The, the. We're both doing the motion <laughs> of the like xylophone thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know this thing. Yeah. Drums? No, no, no. This thing. What do you call it? Yeah, that xylophone vibes whatever <laughs> yeah this song used to be one of my favorites um until like it, today <laughs> when it came out i i really really like this song you know when you're young and it's the mid to late 2000s this is a total jam this is a pretty song with a lot going on musically because like we said they've got a lot you know of different kind of instruments that they don't usually play going on in here and the lyrics are kind of fun. And who hasn't thought, oh, man, if I wasn't around anymore, that person would would realize just how much they were into me and that they're bummed that I'm not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, too bad they couldn't see what was right in front of their eyes. And then you go back and look at this song as an adult in 2019 and you just go, oh, oh, no. Right. But here's the thing. Here's my opinion on the song. I did think coming into it that this, you know, this will be fun to talk about because it is such a strange message, right? Faking my own suicide is so problematic. And actually, <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not even of two minds of this. I'm just aware of the two sides of this because when we get into the fan reaction and like particularly like the, the, the um, derivative works by fans, like the fan videos and stuff... Those are seriously problematic. This song, it can be misinterpreted and misconstrued, I think. And maybe that's just that's just the, the territory that Matt Thiessen decided to go down by writing such a song like this. But I really, I, I understand this song to, li- to be ironic. And I, irony is a word that gets tossed around really cheaply. And people don't even understand it half the time. And I'm not saying I understand the word irony all the time. But I have the basic understanding that irony... It's like rain on your wedding day. It's not like rain on your wedding day. That is a point I thought about. It's not like rain on your wedding day But is it like a free ride when you've already paid? No, it's not like that either. What about the good advice that you just didn't take? Not ironic. Not at all. (laughs) Not even slightly ironic. One example from that song... From the Alanis Morissette song <laughs> that could have been irony is when she said it's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. That's not ironic. What would have been ironic? <laughs> that situation, how, would, how it would have been ironic? If she needed, all she needed was a knife and she found a drawer that was labeled knives and she opened it and it was filled with spoons. That's irony. 
irony is when something is opposite of its literal interpretation. So when something is given to you and at face value, at face value, the literal words mean one thing, but when you actually see what the person is saying, it's the opposite of that. The cheapest form of irony is sarcasm. Because if I say, oh, I love this song, the words are, I love this song, but you know I'm being sarcastic, I actually mean I don't love this song. Right, because of the inflection in your voice. Exactly. So I think there is there are I think there are multiple layers of irony and there is a world, a singular world that Matt Thiessen created with this song of irony. Where I think the idea is us as the audience, as the real world people listening to this song into this fictional world that exists only in this one song, we hear it and we think, well, literally, this is a horrible idea. (laughs) He would be breaking the law. It would be like conspiracy, like to, to, to fraud people. Yeah. It would like hurt people. Like what if the person hurt themselves because they were upset? What would happen to his money and stuff, which I didn't even think about until we did our opening (laughs) skit this week. It's like, it's such a bad idea, but the, then the then you add the music and the music is so happy and sweet that it adds an extra layer of irony where the music is propelling you to believe what he's saying but we as the audience in the real world know this doesn't actually work and then she's like happy at the end and she would not be happy at the end so i think that's the idea is that it is it is like it is a, a singular work of pure irony in every way. The lyrics are not meant to be literal, but they are meant to be heard literally and then understood to be wrongheaded. And then you're supposed to sort of laugh because it's like, this is not a real situation. And the music is almost like tonally against the concept. That's how I'm starting to understand this song. Now, you can't expect, because there's also this other thing called death of the author, right? Which is the concept that once you make a work of art and you put it out into the world, Anyone who hears it can interpret it however they want, Mm -hmm. however wrong. So if you hear this song and you think, wow, that's really effed up that this guy would try to do something. What a horrible person. That's your interpretation. And that is in and of itself completely correct as well. I just, the one thing I don't think you can say is to think that Matt Thiessen literally thinks this is a good idea. It is a joke. But is it an appropriate joke? Perhaps not. (laughs) Um, I remember the first time I heard this song and equating it with like a Tom Sawyer allegory. That's that's something I thought of as well. It's very sort of Mark Twain. It is very Mark Twain. Like the very first time I heard of it. And actually every single time I have listened to this song until today, that is just what I thought of. Because in the adventures of Tom Sawyer, Mm -hmm. Tom and Huck and I think like one of their other friends run away to be pirates. And the town ends up thinking that the boys are dead. And when Tom finds out, he decides to attend his own funeral, making a grand re-entry into the world of the living at the funeral, uh, like mid-service. And of course, he's hoping to win back the favor of his crush, Becky Thatcher. And I'm like, that is what this song is. And it's what it's always been to me. However, I read that it's That's about... That's what it's inspired by. Yeah. It's inspired by... Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude. Which, it's not even like really a... It's the most, like, 
hearing that and hearing that that was apparently it was it was posted officially on the Reliant K website back in when did this come out? Two thousand seven, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I wish that still. I wish it still existed because I would have like I wish that there was a way to go back and look at that homepage from then. Well, no, I found I found lots of other information. I have two videos of Matt Thiessen introducing the song at small intimate gigs in stores and small places in a radio show. Oh, one, okay. one at the Apple Store in San Francisco when Five Score was new, and in a radio show where he explains the origins of this song through Harold and Maude, and we can listen to those in a little bit. Yeah, because that's really interesting because I like hearing that and hearing that that is the official explanation is like was kind of weird to me because that is the most loose tie to like Harold and Maude that I can possibly think of because I think it was meant to be a little loose. Yeah, I so Harold and Maude is a movie about a wealthy kid. Well, I guess he's like a young adult who is bored and obsessed with death and coming up with ways to kill himself. Uh, and one day he goes to a funeral just for kicks and meets this elderly woman, Maude, uh, who is equally kooky, uh, though she's a bit more fun than him. And so the, the two put on these like elaborate games of pretend murder and suicide mm-hmm. and then become romantically involved. And it's not even May, December. It's like January, December. Right. <laughs> Um, and it's all like very taboo and very 70s. But people really love this movie. This is a really influential movie. Like, do you remember it was the, it was uh, Mary from There's Something About Mary's favorite movie. Oh. Like it was a plot device that... I definitely saw this movie before <laughs> Something About Mary because when I was younger and I was like, I love film. I want to be a filmmaker. I want to know everything about film. I went to the movies of the 1970s. That's where I went to study first, like on my own. And so I saw this movie probably when I was like 16, 17. And that was probably for me a little too young. I think you need to rewatch it now. Yeah. Because and because I for sure did not enjoy it. Maybe we'll revisit this portion of the song in a future episode once you rewatch that movie. Because I haven't seen it in a long time, but I was older than you when I saw it. I enjoyed it, and I understood its appeal. I didn't personally care for it a ton, but I understand its sort of quirky appeal because it's really a a movie about two outsiders finding each other. Mm -hmm. And there are so many other movies that people love because they're that sort of movie. And it's two people who, like, nobody understands them, and people... People who don't feel understood, they turn to music and they turn to movies and they turn to art. And it's easy to say, like, look at those weirdos, right? But then, like, for two people who are so obviously shouldn't be together, like, they're like a 17-year-old kid and, like, however she, how old she is, 80-year-old woman. I think like, they were, like, 20 and 80, maybe? But that's just so, like, funny and quirky in and of itself, right? So Because her age is a plot point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, and and the other thing that I want to get into with this song is that when you are a kid, there are so many people, it is just something that is just intrinsically part of human nature, especially when you're a young person, to be obsessed with death. Because it is a part of human being, right? And everyone deals with it in different ways. (laughs) Some people like totally push it away and say, I don't even want to think about you, death. Screw off. And some people like obsess over it, but even young, but young people who obsess over death. And I guess this gets into another one of my major points thinking about this song. 
when young people obsess about death, I think a lot of times they don't really know what they're thinking about because it's later on in life when you've worked hard for, when you've worked for things, when you've really struggled, when you've earned things in your life, that's when death and you become older and like, yeah, you have all these things now and now death would actually be a disadvantage because you'd lose all the things you have. That's when death actually feels scary. But when you're a young kid, you have all the time ahead of you in the world. And you're like, life is just fun. And you haven't experienced a lot of real pain. You've experienced pain. And all of the pain you've experienced has been real. And it's been 100% of the pain you've had. But compared to the pain out there in the world you can experience, it's not actually anything. So when kids are obsessed with death and stuff like that, they at go a young to age, Hot Topic, <laughs> they buy a bunch of cool Jinko jeans with chains. But that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. That's, that's sort of the thing that I'm getting at. It actually reminds me of the movie, uh, which you haven't seen, but the original Return of the Living Dead. Leanna Quigley's character in that movie, she's this like punk rock death obsessed lady who takes her top off for most of the movie. Always. And she's like, I want to die with all kinds of old men tearing my flesh and I just want to die this way. And she's like, she's she's talking about how she's going to die and all this stuff. But then when the zombies start piling up on her, like half an hour later in the movie, she's screaming and she's terrified. Like, because now she's like, like before it was just an obsession. It was just like a quirk. It was just something to fill her time. But when she sees her real time being taken away from her by zombies, that's when the real fear kicks in. So that's sort of the way I think all of people just when they're young, look at death and they think it's kind of just a quirky thing that I can't really understand. So I'm going to obsess about it until I can understand it. And they don't really understand until they have more life experience. Like little kids love horror movies, but they don't actually understand the, the real horror of like the people who have lives and loved ones suddenly being having their heads bitten off by a monster, right? It's later on in life when you maybe rewatch those movies and you feel like, oh, little kids shouldn't watch these movies because it's so horrible to think of these awful things happening to people. But little kids watch it and they're like, nah, I don't care. I'm not thinking about the real implications of that person having their head bitten off by a monster. I'm just thinking, ah, that's fun and cool because I have limited life experience at this point. And this is, so this plays into... At this point when this album came out in 2007, sorry to keep rambling, but in 2007 is sort of the height of so-called emo culture, which is another subset of like youth rebellion, which is supposedly all obsessed with death, is emo core, mm-hmm. sort of the false emo, the, 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 the sort of hot topic emo, not the real emo that I was familiar with when I was a kid, which was essentially like high art punk. That's what original emo was supposed to be. Emo is what like sad boys are now turned into sad boys i suppose so you're absolutely right but uh, i've been rambling way too long did you have any other points i'll get to that point in a second no i was just wondering did your parents really let you watch horror movies as a little kid because mine didn't no but i know lots of kids who are allowed to watch horror movies you see lots of kids both in my real life and like kids you know when i listen to like horror movie podcasts and documentaries about horror it's like little kids who like horror movies like they would like the teletubbies and it doesn't really affect them because they don't. Now they have those like like Vampirina mm-hmm. and the Monster High and stuff like that, where they're like, "Hey, it's the fun monsters. They're doing the things. They're whatever." And the Descendants, where like those are the you know the kids of the villains are doing stuff. Right. We got friends with kids. I know yeah. things. 
But even they like scary and violent movies. Yeah, they movies. do. Like kids like violence because they don't perceive the real implication of it. Man, I never did. I have always been a bundle of anxiety. I know you have. <laughs> when I talked about people who just push yep. off the idea of death, I was talking about Jess. Yep. Um, but- you wanna, you, man, deathbed. That's going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> Jessica thought this would just be a quirky, lighthearted thing. And then we really got into it. She's like, wait, I don't actually want to talk about this topic. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man, why did I suggest this song? <laughs> and here's the thing. So what I was getting at just a second ago with how 2007 is sort of the height of hot topic emo core, like the second wave of emo. It is very subversive, I feel, for Reliant K to have written a song about suicide when they were entrenched in the pop, punk, pop rock world, like their music was put on a shelf alongside MXPX, Blink-182, My Chemical Romance, like any other kind of alternative rock band in 2007. They're all there. Actually, I guess Blink-182 was technically broken up at the time, but you know what I'm saying, right? And all those other bands, a lot of those other bands have songs about suicide, And they're usually of one sort of idea, right? Like if you think of a rock song about suicide, there's a very clear concept of what that's probably going to be. This is a very subversive reaction to let's be a a popular rock band and write a song about suicide. They're almost like bucking this trend and laughing in the face of other songs about suicide, which... Blink-182, Adam's song, was supposedly sort of a satire of sad boy suicide songs, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, when he's singing about spilling the apple juice in the hall and and I'll be back on tour and no one will remember my name, like, they're they're supposed to be something about, like, Mark Hoppus said, like, this is supposed to be a parody of suicide songs without being, like, a joke song, right? But then that song really does just sound sad if you don't comprehend that. Yeah. This song, Faking My Own Suicide, like is undeniably a joke at the idea of suicide. And I think when you, in 2007, when other bands have songs about suicide, Papa Roach, Last Resort, like other bands, so it's just a couple years before, to write a song like this, which is a legitimately happy song that mocks the obsession in other people... Uh, with suicide other bands and other fans and other dark-minded rock fans and be like hey here's a goofy song about suicide and it is so ridiculous because i'm gonna say that when because he'll he'll be like at the end of the song i'll come back to life and she'll be happy and want to be my wife it's like no you laugh when you listen to that because you're like no she's gonna be like super pissed and call the police and you're gonna go to jail it's hilarious i think i think that that really is something to keep in mind when you hear this song and you possibly feel like it's problematic is just imagine every other song you've ever heard about suicide and how even the ones that are meant to lift out of that can have a hard time doing it because even just touching the topic of suicide is so difficult but to actually like to to do an inverted song in this way is so unique i can't think of any other song to touch the topic of suicide in such a genuinely like funny tone in which it mocks and takes the power away from the idea of obsessions of death yeah if you look at it that way 
then yeah, it is uh, <laughs> exactly what you said. <laughs> uh, if you if you don't look at it that way, if you just look at it at face value, yeah. Um, I'm gonna do. May I do a William Shatner esque reading of the lyrics? Okay. Because you know, like this was one of my favorite Reliant K songs for a very long time. And because when you listen to the song, well, everything is clear. Like, I don't feel like the song has a lot of misunderstood lyrics. Like, you can understand everything he's saying. Mm -hmm. Um, You just get caught up in the melody and the general vibe of the song. Like we said, it's kind of happy. It's kind of a fun song. Like, I've always thought of it as like sort of a, a, like an upbeat kind of a song. Right. Not the tempo, just it's sort of a fun song. And then you just like sit there and you pull out the liner notes and you're like. So, I've. Made up my mind. (laughs) And I will pretend to leave this world behind. (laughs) And in the end, you'll know I've lied to get your attention. I'm faking my own suicide. Now I just, now I want that as a song. (laughs) Now I just want you doing your William Shatner. That's not a very good William Shatner. That's just like the. Sort of the the beat, the cadence, but not really the voice. Yeah, you got it, though. So the lyrics are, So I've made up my mind. I will pretend to leave this world behind, and in the end you'll know I've lied. To get your attention, I'm faking my own suicide. I'm faking my own suicide because I know you love me, you just haven't realized. I'm faking my own suicide. They'll hold a double funeral because a part of you will die along with me. I wish you thought that I was dead, So rather than me, you'd be depressed instead. And before arriving at my grave, you'd come to the conclusion you'd loved me all your days. But it's too late. Too late for you to say. Because I'm faking my own suicide. Because I know you love me, you just haven't realized. I'm faking my own suicide. They'll hold a double funeral because a part of you will die along with me. I'll write you a letter that you'll keep, reminding you your love for me is more than six feet deep. You say aloud that you would have been my wife. Right about that time is when I come back to life and let you know. I'm back. I'd let you know that all along I was faking my own suicide. Oh, I'm so happy you're alive. Because I know you love me. You just haven't realized I was faking my own suicide. I was faking it, baby. I'll walk in that room and see your eyes open so wide. Open so wide. Because you know. My be- eyes are open so wide. I'm so happy. Because you know you will never leave my side. Until the day that I die for the first time. And we'll laugh. We will laugh. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, we'll laugh and we will cry. <laughs> oh, cry. <laughs> so overjoyed for a love that's so alive. Our love is so alive. To me, mm-hmm. this is the most garbage, like, <laughs> person song that Reliant K has ever done. It's so much more. And Reliant K had some, like, Christian accusatory songs. This is just, like, so guy to me that I don't care if it's a parody or not like when you sit down and you dissect the lyrics there's so much accusatory language in there that it feels highly inappropriate I don't care if it's a satire or whatever it just feels inappropriate no I totally get it like particularly I know what you're getting at and particularly like the line um I wish that you thought I was dead so rather than me you'd be depressed instead because he's depressed that she doesn't love him right this this doesn't have the resolution to the song to to support what I'm about to say. But I think that in the irony, in the ironic interpretation of this song, the idea is 
he she doesn't love him. So it should be like, T.S. Bud, she doesn't love you. And he thinks that if he pulls off this grandiose plot, that then she's going to realize she loves him, right? Which is a feeling that I think a lot of people would have, even if you don't have like the suicide, fan- the fake suicide fantasy. Mm-hmm. This this thought that like someday he or she's going to look back and realize I love them and I really missed out or they're going to be married. It's like every- <laughs> we read those Marvel com- Marvel comics has a collection of uh, romance comics that like Stan Lee yep. and people <laughs> from the '60s when they had to have some romance comics along with the com- with the regular comic books and every single Marvel comics romance that they ever wrote in the set in the 60s the premise was always there's a hot go-getting girl who doesn't settle down with the nice guy that loves her and she goes out and then she eventually loses out because she didn't yep. end up with the guy yeah something it's, terrible happens to her or she's just sad for the rest of her life because she didn't pick the guy it's what they call nowadays incel involuntarily celibate which is a term that's been around for a while but i only finally looked it up a couple months ago i'm like oh okay that makes sense and basically it's like guys who complain about how they want to have relationships and they want to have romance but girls won't let them and girls don't like them they're called involuntary celibates incel right i'm explaining it for people out there like me who didn't know what this was and so you could say that this is a little bit of an incel anthem, right? This is 100% an incel anthem. You can't, however, knowing what we know about Matt Thiessen, Matt Thiessen is one of the least incel people in the world. Yeah. But I think like everyone has an incel moment or an incel thought where it's just like, where you kind of blame the other people in society for your romantic faults, right? That is a common thing for a lot of people. What sets good people apart from people who dwell on it and proudly proclaim themselves incel are the people who eventually realize, okay, there's something wrong. I keep falling into this pattern. Is there something wrong with me? Do I need to change? Do I need to make myself better? And to, 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 and that, cause like I was like that, like I was really bad at talking to girls and I, for a long time blamed a lot of people other than me. And even when Jessica and I finally started dating, when I asked her out and things were going well, I acted a certain way in which it forced her to break up with me. And I was upset and I was mad, but I looked into myself and I said, do I need to change? And I realized I did need to change. And I didn't know if I was ever going to get Jessica back, but I did. Like I could have stayed in cell from that point on. I could have stayed upset. So I could have dwelled in a song like this and been like, yeah, Jess, I'm going <laughs> to fake my suicide. And then you're going to want me back, but it'll be too late. And I'm not even going to come back and say I'm alive. I'm going to let you drown in those horrible thoughts. But I wouldn't do that. I, Danny, wouldn't do that. But then the real me, Danny, sees this and is like, well, it's it's like you have these awful thoughts. And so you write a kind of goofy pop song about it. And it's sort of meant to, like, shine a light. And, like, look how horrible and dumb. Not horrible, but look how dumb these thoughts are. Because obviously it wouldn't work. I get, like I said before, that you can't reject death of the author and you can't expect everyone to see it the same way I'm seeing it. All I'm trying to say is how I see the song, but the way you're seeing the song right now is also 100% valid. I'm making a grimacey face like, get me? You get me? <laughs> do we yes, agree I, to disagree? I do get you. Yeah. I do get you. Um, yeah, like I said, this is one of my favorite songs until this morning. Until this morning. <laughs> Well, we've talked a lot about the lyrics. Why don't we focus on something else, which is not something we focus on a lot, the music. 
the actual the 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 rhythm and the instrumentation yes and the wobbly doos that they have with the stick <laughs> that the thing that they do the ding 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 ding, ding that thing whatever it is let's talk about that because when i put out the call for messages about this song soul bowl on instagram s-o-l-b-o-l-l-l said listening to the podcast currently and enjoying it although i would love to hear more about the musical aspects of the songs because they're so clever with what they do in that area to complement the lyrics but i understand if this isn't your area of expertise and no it's not our area of expertise yeah once in a while i know like it would just help if we sort of knew more real musical terms yeah to, to understand i feel like things. i need to go like take a music theory crash course or yeah. something to try and you know to, to figure out and decipher all that right. different stuff because i am very intrigued by it like we can hear instruments and like we can hear i can hear like i can discern like oh there's a good stereo mix in yeah. this song and like all that stuff but when it comes to some of the real like knowing what's clever <laughs> about the songwriting it reminds me of that there's a Paul F. Tompkins stand-up bit where he's like talking about how jazz pisses him off because it's all one big inside joke for the musicians. <laughs> it's like you go see a jazz performance and the guy's going do 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 and everyone on stage laughs because it's the funniest thing they've ever heard. Like the actual notes were a joke and no one out in the crowd. And he's like he's like it's not a joke. It's not funny because then us out here in the audience we'd be laughing. So yeah, so it's like I don't know. So yeah, they. I mean, this. I I really like this song. It's it's definitely like on the Beach Boys side of the Matt Thiessen influence. Yeah. I mean, the obvious thing that lets you in on that is the um, the xylophone, mm-hmm. right? But then they add that nice slide guitar, which I have something about here. An interview with uh, John Warren. So on theywillrockyou.com in 2007, when the album was pretty new. Uh, John Warren was interviewed, and they asked uh, about Faking My Own Suicide and how it's sort of country-ish and folk, and it's a departure from their standard sound. Which, if you know, it's not really a departure from their standard sound. No. Like, they have a standard sound, how people... We've talked about this before. Yeah. They have the standard pop rock template sound that they might have, but, like, they're a much more talented band than that, and they yeah. have signs earlier yeah. on, like, on the EPs like uh, Jefferson Airplane and like being able to have simple stripped down songs and being able to do different instrumentation. John Warren said, that song was actually written four or five years ago. It just never found its way onto a record. It's inspired by Harold and Maude, the old 70s movie where he keeps trying to fake his own suicide and get his mother's attention. It's very much a tongue-in-cheek song. It's got a happy feel to it. We just wanted to have a slide guitar because we were always because we always wanted to incorporate that somehow. We think it sounds cool and we're happy with the way it turned out. So it sounds like with a slide guitar being added was actually just like a, something they were trying to fit onto other songs as mm-hmm. well, and it just fit happily onto this song. Um, and it actually kind of works out because eventually Matt Thiessen moves to Nashville and becomes a big country music star. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the rest is the history. <laughs> but yeah, this so they said this song was written four or five years ago. It's written right around... The, so it would have been written in like 2003. It would have been written around the time of Two Lefts. And I've talked about this in the previous episode where the aforementioned Jefferson Airplane song was a Matt Tiesten and the Earthquake song originally. And that's an old... And then, you know, that's an old song that first premiered on the Creepy EP. 
and I asked Reliant K at the time, I'm like, hey, I really like Jefferson Airplane. Are you going to, you know, do more with that other than being on the EP? And they said, oh, maybe. Eventually they did redo it for two la- for three lefts. Right. And they told me that's a Matt Thiessen solo song. And it seems like this is the exact same thing. This was a Matt Thiessen and the Earthquakes or a Matt Thiessen solo song that eventually he figured out would work best for this album. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I didn't realize that until the very first thing I did to research the song was... Woo! We're getting a little ahead of ourselves <laughs> here. Thank you, YouTube. Was to uh, search the song on Spotify and just see <laughs> if there's any other... Because sometimes if I search the song title on Spotify, if it's a unique enough song title like mm-hmm. this one, I'll find some other sort of cover. And in this case, it was the Matt Tasten and the Earthquakes version from years before. Oh, wow. Um, there was a compilation called uh, My Other Band, Volume 1, where it was a compilation of like side projects and stuff. So this was the Matt Tasten and the Earthquakes version that predates, I don't know by how many years, I couldn't figure that out, but it predates the, the five score and seven years ago version. Cool. my mind I will pretend to leave this world behind and in the end you'll know I've lied to get your attention I'm faking my own suicide I'm faking my own suicide Cause I know you love me You just haven't realized I'm faking my own suicide They'll hold a double funeral Because a part of you will die along with me So had you ever heard that version before? I had not. And I used to follow or friend i was a friend of matt teeson and the earthquakes on uh, on, on myspace my yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had you know the little box with the music that mm-hmm. you could pick what was on there which they is had, all gone now i know crazy yeah is myspace still up though uh i don't know okay because i know a few years ago i looked into it because i went to get there there were pictures that were only on my myspace right but like they deleted all of them yeah it was really weird like everything was gone except for my profile picture Mm -hmm. so they used to have a box where you could you could play featured music Mm -hmm. on there and there were some songs under matt teeson and the earthquakes i think it was just matt teeson's like personal myspace page or whatever he just used it as his his side project page so this version is like a more is a far more stripped down demo Mm -hmm. it's it's just got the the xylophone and like a simple drum and some acoustic guitar it doesn't have all that extra stuff that's going on in the five score version or the live at capitol records version and so you can kind of see how there's like a bare bones structure to this song and how you know so to answer uh, Soul Bowl's request for more talk <laughs> about the music, there you go. It's it's here's a more stripped down version. Does that count? No, it doesn't count. Just me playing it. I have very little to say about it, but 
it's nice. It's a nice little. It is a nice little tune. It just never sort of captured my, my, uh, my rhythm bone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, but it's interesting how how Matt Teeson in Earthquakes for years and years and years was just this like thing he was sort of doing. Yeah, and didn't have a lot of public face. And maybe he played little shows. They had his MySpace page, and it seemed to like be a farm team for some songs to eventually make their way onto Reliant K. And then finally, they come out with the actual Matt Teeson and the Earthquakes album after this current Reliant K hiatus. Yeah, I read or heard an interview somewhere where they had said that he was finally really focusing on that, like that he that they made a first album and that they did whatever. And I was like, oh man, that's like I've known Matt Teeson and the Earthquakes like almost as long as I've known Reliant K. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, but it's always been there. I guess there was just no focus on it, really. Right. Um, so I know as of today, you're mad at this song <laughs> after you learned that it's not inspired by... I actually always thought it was sort of inspired by Mark Twain as well. And it could be both. It really mm-hmm. could be both. Because who is Matt Thiessen but a Canadian Mark Twain? <laughs> um, <laughs> but here are the mats on... K-I-S-S 106.1 I don't know what radio station that is where there's too many KISS stations all across the country but uh, here they are in studio and they're going to give a little explanation ahead of performing the song on two guitars the CD actually comes out when? Uh, March 6, 2007 it's called 5 Score and 7 Years Ago is the name of the record we just played that single a couple years ago and you guys want to go ahead and do a little acoustic performance live here in the studio sure yeah Real quick pause. The, the DJ says, we just played that song a couple years ago. And I'm like, you did? <laughs> did you play the Matisse and the Earthquakes version? Or did you, did you mean a couple minutes ago? Really confusing thing that he says there. But here's the rest of Tyson's explanation about the origin of the song. Sure, yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. Can we, can we do the Beyonce thing? Just, oh, yeah. Just real quick. Just for us. Right. Oh, yeah. They're going to do a little... <laughs> we won't get to it yet. They're going to do a little cover of Beyonce. Over who wrote that song? <laughs> sure, absolutely. That will not be on the album, correct? No. Okay. The people in the, in the in the studio were real into that. <laughs> they asked for it, and then they're just like, "Yeah, okay." You want to play we'll something? See. You want to play something that will be on the album? Sure. This is uh, Matt and Matt. They're from Reliance K, doing a little cool. acoustic performance live from the Kiss 106.1 studio. Can I do a little explanation for this? Sure, song? absolutely. I'll, I'll make it quick. But this song is called "Faking My Own Suicide," and. Uh, it, it sounds morbid, but it's supposed to be funny. And uh, I, my favorite movie is called Harold and Maude, and it's it's from the 70s. And in the movie, this this the main character faked his suicide the whole time just to get his mother's attention and affection and whatnot. And so I took that premise and applied it to my life when I liked this girl and she wasn't, you know, reciprocating the affection. And I thought maybe, you know, deep down inside she cares about me. And if I, uh, you know, if I pretend that I'm dead, then she'll come out and say, I loved you the whole time. And then I'll come back to life. So this song's called Faking My Suicide, and it's stupid, but we're gonna... Stupid. She'll come right out and say it. She'll come right out and say it. Why don't you come right out and say it? Is Come Right Out and Say It actually a sequel to this song? Oh. Are they played out of order to, to blur it? Uh, to blur that idea, that fact? Um, 
So there's his explanation. I found a similar thing, like I said, at a San Francisco Apple store in 2007 that they played at, which is kind of fun just to see an Apple store in 2007 and how much they have and haven't changed in 10 years. Um, Yeah, that's like pre-iPhone or first-gen iPhone. Exciting stuff. So, yeah, this is is more or less where I learned about the Herald and Mod Connection as well. And I learned about it a couple days ago. But I also know that people really love that movie and it's not meant to offend as much as it is meant to give people hope. Give people just a kind of weird version of hope. So I'm just going to spend the rest of this podcast trying to win this song back for Jessica. <laughs> um, I think part of the reason why I sort of stepped back and reevaluated with this song is because when we first decided to do this podcast and I started doing general Reliant K research, mm-hmm. I came across an interview from 2011. Um, it's a like a behind the scenes Vans warp Tour interview with the Mats. Um, by Enoch Magazine, E-N-O-C-H. And in it, the interviewer, at first he asked a question about uh, sort of their faith, and then he asked a question about depression. And the interviewer was under the impression that the guys had had issues with depression in the past. And Matt Thiessen was very quick to shoot that down. And in that, he was also very quick to point a finger at anyone who uses medication for depression. Mm-hmm. And I just, and then he goes on to say that he's never had a problem, you know, he's never had a problem with depression. He's never used antidepressants. He just feels like people go to that too quickly. Mm-hmm. They just say, oh, pills, that's what you need too quickly. And... That's just not fair if you haven't been there. Mm -hmm. If you need to take pills to get through the day, and it is a prescription from your doctor, whether it is an antidepressant, whether it is anti-anxiety medication, someone who doesn't understand it has absolutely no right to tell you that you shouldn't be taking it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's funny to have a satirical song about suicide when... That's never an issue you've ever had before. It's very easy to take a step back and and be like, I don't understand that. So it's funny to me versus living in it. Right. No, that's absolutely correct. I know when you found that interview, you were very upset. (laughs) But um, yeah, like I've, I've been depressed, but I've never really had real depression in my life. So but now I really do understand that you can't really understand when someone has sort of clinical serious depression like it's not a matter of like get up get out and be happy there's no such thing as that when there's like just something tuned wrong inside somebody's brain chemically you can't expect someone and 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 it's it's totally difficult for people on the outside to understand um but it's a struggle for both yeah it's a thing that us as a whole as a society that we're strug- we struggle with all the time because we're we are all different people we're all wired different we all require different things and we all require different ways of working and it's easy for one person in one lifestyle to accuse the other one when they found a solu- when they have a solution to a problem yeah exactly and you know 
And it is easy to be like, if you're, you know, if you don't have issues to say, oh, no, well, why don't you just do some meditation? You know, just do some yoga. Right. But that doesn't work for everyone. And maybe you can. But if you can find something that helps you to get even get to that point where you could, you know, find another way, that's wonderful. Right. You know, and, and don't like close yourself off to any avenues, because but, but definitely don't close yourself off to something that could really help you and just help you get through the day and actually make it better. Right. There was a there was a thing on Wholesome Memes. I love, you know, the Wholesome Memes Twitter account <laughs> where they were like where they take common meme ideas and they just turn it into like the, sort of the joke. But also it's it's a genuine joke to sort of be like, here's this horrible meme, but we invert it and we make it like a nice thing about teddy bears and then <laughs> getting up early in the morning and getting out before the sun shines and all that stuff. And one that was like the the getting over depression starter kit. And it really and it said and it showed like somebody exercising and somebody having a balanced breakfast and people basically attack that. It's like and if someone was like, here, I redid it. I redid the meme. And it showed like someone talking to a psychiatrist and like taking medication and like like sitting and and breathing for a second and doing these things like that's what it's about right so like I it's something I've learned over time because sometimes I feel quote unquote depressed I just don't want to get out for the day I just need to sit there and that's valid in the point but I don't actually have real clinical depression as far as I'm aware so Every, when I'm everyone just, feels feels depression everyone feels Every depression it's just to understand that depression the disease is not depression the emotion that's where it it really becomes something that people just have to realize so to to not to not to logic it which is what i'm going to do <laughs> but to sort of bring it back to this song and how you felt about that interview with matt Thiessen sort of shirking the idea of people getting medication or being over medicated or something and you know maybe people do get over medicated and they do there is a point to that but i guess the idea is like you got to sort of accept the fact that when you talk about how some people are over medicated you almost you need to add the caveat of like but medication helps so many people yes and psychiatric help helps so many people yeah there everybody needs different types of help we are not all wired the same and we do not all understand depression and our emotions and we in the same way and you can't disparage one type of help if one you've never needed it and never experienced it right and two don't like you said give a caveat of other options right you know because now it just it just comes across like you're against the whole thing like hey man just be happy and he even says something like that towards the end of that interview he's like no you know just find something you love and do it and i'm like that but doesn't when you, help when, you when you're even, in it. You... When you have the anxiety so heavy that you can't even pick up the thing that you love. Because exactly. you think you're going to destroy it or you think you're going to be destroyed in a moment. And what's the point and like all these other thoughts that might be going through your head. And I guess, yes, the, so to bring it back to this song, what particularly makes you angry on it is like to maybe hear a song mocking suicide. It might be hurtful, right? I just to be devil's advocate, I do think there are so many songs out there about suicide, which are and works of fiction that are out there about suicide, which are so much more could be hurt, you know, hurtful. And I don't need to name them or anything, but it's like things that depict suicide in movies and television and songs that might be meant to lend an ear or sort of 
make those things understood, but might actually possibly encourage other people to do that sort of stuff. Like I mentioned Adam's song already, so I might as well bring that up again. It's like that's meant to sort of be a parody and a satire of suicide songs, but maybe that song has been accused of possibly causing suicides and stuff. So I do think this song is subversive to take this theme, which is so common in artwork, and to really laugh in its face. And like I said, that could be really hurtful to people who have serious problems, and especially when you have your particular point of view because of what Matt Tyson said in this one interview about medication. Like, that's, you know, that's a whole other sort of thing. But to also look at this song in and of itself and say suicide is such a heavy and difficult thing like maybe this song has helped other people with it could have possibly helped other people who have had really bad suicidal thoughts and maybe they are they have their medication and maybe they're having help and they see this song and they're like yeah you know this is a this is a, what a stupid idea suicide is so stupid because Matisse has written this song that is a joke it is a joke in the face of taking your own life and this would never this plan would never work and like this is goofy and dumb so sort of depends on how you look at it but again i'm just playing devil's advocate or jesus's advocate or whatever we say as a christian podcast (laughs) the fact that harold and maude is matt Tyson's favorite movie and yet he's not married to an 80 year old woman (laughs) yeah come on you want to be a real fan of that movie (laughs) Um, well, before you, so I feel like we've said quite a lot about the song and the topic. Um, this was your favorite version of the song you told me. Yeah, the Live at Capitol Records. Yep. <laughs> so how do you feel about that version i still now? love this version of it i love <laughs> this whole set of live at, at uh capitol studios is fantastic mm-hmm. and i think it's right after this that they do sloop john b by the beach boys right and it's it's really fun like their rendition is really fun um, yeah i love uh i love john schneck on the banjo he does a great job and mm-hmm. yeah it's just a lot of fun so now we've talked a lot about uh mental health and different mindsets and different things that people have. Well, when I was doing my research for this song, before I would, before I had any idea that you would end up hating, that you would end up <laughs> kind of turning against the song. I knew this is one of your favorite Reliant K songs. And before I had any idea you'd turn against it on yourself, I was like, how are we going to tread the waters of the YouTube stuff without me possibly making Jessica feel in a dark mood? Because... <laughs> When you type the words faking my own suicide into YouTube oh. with or without Reliant oh. K in the title, in the search result, 
uh, you get a lot of interesting stuff. I would imagine. One thing you definitely get without the words Reliant K, and you get a couple of these even when you type in Reliant K, is all of those awful, and I'm not even going to play a single one of them, awful YouTube death pranks. Where it's yeah. like this, this like horrible, like R-rated, not even R-rated, but this like this horrible, really mean, um, predatory concept of pranks on YouTube. Where it's like people who were raised by people who were raised by jackass. We're like, oh, I get jackass. You like emotionally scar people, right? <laughs> like people who just can't, people who watch Tim and Eric and people who watch jackass and, and things like that. And they, and they don't get that there is a line for those people. They just keep going mm-hmm. past that line. So there are a ton of like YouTube death pranks and like just seeing some of the thumbnails and stuff. I was like, this is putting me in a dark place and I don't have clinical issues, those, these kind of clinical issues. So I don't even want to bring these up to Jessica, but I felt like I have to bring them up because when you type in faking my own suicide, that's one of the top things. Cause unfortunately those videos also get like put in algorithms and stuff and they're popular on YouTube, mm. both because of <laughs> coming back to irony because of ironic reactions to them people who actually hate them but like to hate them and hate to like them and hate to hate them and like to like them like all these different people watch those i don't even want to click them yeah there's a there's a movie called cam that's about like a cam girl and (laughs) it's sort of like a it's sort of like a like a thriller or whatever but one of the things she does is like she like does like fake fake suicide things with like all these gore effects or whatever and she gets a lot of um money from that i guess people like give her money every time she does something wacky i don't know Mm -hmm. um but that's kind of the thing it's a psychological thriller it's it's a good enough movie it's you know whatever if you're if you're into that sort of thing i had to watch it for research for a project i'm working on but um well i found one of these type of youtube videos which was actually sort of like the nice wholesome version and it's and i thought (laughs) I, i swear i swear i was like i'll watch this one and it's oh, got no. 21 million views. No, 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 it's okay. It's from The Mean Kitty, which is the name of the YouTube channel. This is from February 2018. And so this is where the money is at on YouTube? Faking your own suicide? No, 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 no. Uh, this says, what would I, what would my dog do if I suddenly died? Aww. To find out, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. To find out I'm faking my death in front of Penny to see how she reacts. This is not problematic. This is adorable. This, I swear to goodness, this is adorable. So, because there's no, because the guy just walks into the into the living room, pretends he has a heart attack, and then falls down in the middle of the room. And it looks like April. I was gonna say. <laughs> But this is the thing. This doesn't work because, because this dog knows the guy's not dead. Yeah. You can't fake this kind of stuff. Especially because no. if a human was here, there's no way they'd believe it. Because he's like, Ugh, like you'd have But to, you could fake out a human a yeah. lot easier and than he, you could fake out an animal. Right. And he like gently kind of falls to his knees and lays himself down. Like if he actually plonked down on the hardwood, really sold this. She's probably just really excited. She's like, oh, good, you're going to play you're with gonna, me on good, the floor. You're good, you're on the floor. Yeah, you're on the floor. You're in my domain. And then she doesn't get mad about it. She just gets more frustrated that he's not playing back. Look at the tail. He just, she just, the dog just thinks he's sleeping. And then she goes back to her bed. <laughs> exactly. And waits for him to get up. It looks exactly like April. Yeah. Aww. 
like play with me. What are you doing? She's wagging her tail. She yeah, knows. She knows. She's giving kisses. Oh, she's nuzzling. <laughs> she's she turned onto her back and is rubbing against his face. She took his hat off his head. <laughs> she's like, play with me. You're on the floor. That's what we do when we're on the floor. April does that too. I love this crappy music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cute. And then it ends on a picture of a cat, and I'm like, yeah, if that cat thought you were dead, it would eat you. I know. <laughs> Even if the cat knew you were faking, it would still try to start to eat you. Yeah. So that kind of video kind of puts us in a good place for the rest of these things. Now, oh, no. <laughs> so before I kind of knew how this episode was going to go and how you were going to feel about the song this morning... I was not sure how I felt about these videos because more than any other song we've done yet, this is a song that people have loved to make their own music videos to. People have made music videos to other songs we've played, but this more than any, it's like, here's a full music video for the song. Here's a full music video for the song. Here's a full music video for the song over and over. And it took me some time to digest these videos because so many of them because they feel even more problematic than you may think the song is right so i'm like what is it why are these videos so difficult and upsetting to watch right because no one's getting hurt the thing is they all try to have this tone of like goofy we're having fun but they all do something wrong that kind of like breaks that tone because i started to realize that this song is a work of pure irony What I realized was when all of these kids, these teenagers make these videos, making the video takes something that's ironic and shows you another interpretation of it. And that begins to break the irony because for something to be ironic, it needs to mean the opposite of what's literally being said, right? So by adding another level of art, you're now like basically ruining you're basically watering the recipe so like you're now like unless your visual work also perfectly balances the irony you sort of break the whimsical thing of it and you start to feel like oh no this is getting violent and upsetting right so particularly this one which was uploaded by sarah ann productions with a z at the end in 2010 And I think this one's so funny because in 2010, this girl looks exactly like you looked like in 2007. (laughs) She has that same kind of look. (laughs) It's not that you would, it's not that I would ever mistake her for you, but she dresses the way you dressed in Mm -hmm. 2007. So unfortunately, we both have blonde hair. So it just kind of shows this, shows this girl in black and white, and she's walking along in the woods, and she's lip syncing to the song. She's like, the guy won't like me. Why won't he? Ah, she he won't like me. What am I going to do? And uh, then when she's going to quote unquote fake her own suicide. 
it cuts to a knife, oh. <laughs> which is way too specific. Well, it cut to a bridge first, then a knife. And I took the thing away, but then it then it cuts to the it cuts to a knife, and it's like that's too specific because that's the thing is when he sings the song he doesn't sing specifically about how he's gonna fake his suicide like that would be a very in a very complicated thing to fake your suicide like what what does that involve do you just do you not even bother saying how you killed yourself do you just write the note and just like send it to the police do you actually make a false crime scene or do you just go around telling everyone hey did you hear matt Tyson killed himself like and then that eventually gets to her like how like not all that's left out of the song Mm -hmm. because the song is its own self-contained world and when you start adding these extra layers of visualization and people showing like how they're deciding to kill themselves in this video that's when it gets really cringy like some people decide to hang themselves it's like (laughs) it's it's fun to see it's not fun to see but here's one instead this is by Zwiss Chen Spieler. Oh boy, this is uh, spelled Z W I S C H E N S P I E L E R. And this one's interesting because you got this guy here who's like hanging out on campus and he's like sleeping. Actually, it starts with him going to bed, so the whole video is just his like dream. I interpret it. I interpret it. If we accept death of the author, I interpret this to mean that he goes to sleep and he has this dream that he fakes the suicide so it's not real. Um, or maybe he gets the idea while he's sleeping. Uh, he actually shoots... Oh, like, that reminds me that I have some song meanings. Oh, we totally skipped that. <laughs> we'll go back to that. But he uh, he actually shoots a funeral with like five friends like in wearing black with umbrellas and all I this like stuff. These, uh, they, he puts in some... Um, some of those some fake uh old uh, vintage film effects yeah. on there nice i uh, approve then the girl is sitting uh, we'll skip ahead she's sitting on the couch reading the letter she's sad she's got her head in her hands and right around that time is when he comes back to life and she slaps him <laughs> she's like you good kitty. for you <laughs> but then she hugs him and she's happy he's back <laughs> And then, uh, is this the one? No, this is the one. And then they, and then <laughs> it becomes a little too inside. But then you see them like laying in bed and they're like, they're like stroking each other's hair and stuff. It's a little much. It's a little too inside of those people's lives. Uh, but again, it's like this song, I feel like is not meant to be visually interpreted. Like Reliant K didn't say, let's yeah. make a video to this song. I yeah. think they knew that this song could only this this is like a work of art if whether let's just for the sake of argument say that this song works in and of itself for this why didn't i just pick the best thing (laughs) why didn't i just say oh you know what my two choices are the best thing and overthinking i think i think that this song i think this is a very interesting conversation we're having right now but um this song is not meant to be visually interpreted is what i kind of figured out from these fan videos and I think Reliant K kind of knew, like, this song can only exist as a song. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Mark Twain can write Tom Her- Tom Herrick and Huck Finn or whatever those are called. <laughs> and maybe, uh, and then maybe they can be Harold and Maude the film. Like, you to have a theme like this, you have to strike a very delicate balance. Mm-hmm. And for the sake of argument, I feel that this song strikes that balance in and of itself, in its own capacity, 
it, it strikes its own particular balance. And then you can't take it outside of that because then things start to get weird. Um, so if we're going to talk about song meanings, before we get into covers and everything, did you have some more song meanings to discuss? Why, yes, I do. <laughs> so some people seem to interpret this song about the resurrection. Oh. Wait Which, a second. No, no. No. No, because then that means Jesus faked his death, which means he didn't actually overcome the power <laughs> yep. of death and the devil and all of that. He just he that would that would that would be the opposite of Christians who would believe that. That would be I saw a few of these, but here's one of them. Uh Tenrai, T N R A I, 9 years ago, said what I get from this song is what Jesus did for us. I know it sounds odd, but some of the parts of the song sort of link. Like when he says, I'll write you a letter that you'll keep, reminding you your love for me is more than six feet deep. To me, it sounds like Jesus leaving us his world, being the Bible. Therefore, word, sorry, therefore, a letter. And it reminds us of his love that is stronger than death because he defeated death out of love for us. Really, the whole song just makes me think of what Jesus did. Because saying he's faking his own suicide, Jesus died and came back to life. And Jesus did so because he knew we loved him. We just didn't know it yet. But you're not supposed to think he faked it. (laughs) (laughs) There are plenty of people who do think that, you know... Christ literally didn't exist or that he or that if he did it was all a hoax so that's this is not a song you would want to promote in that manner if you are a born-again Christian and literally believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because he didn't fake his and he didn't commit suicide no so uh Chibronio Chibrono uh nine years ago said sort of to the to the argument uh why would they lie about it being about harold and maude the parallels between the two stories are somewhat strong and i can't imagine most of their fan base knowing what the movie is judgy um i have a little story about that. <laughs> looking at it from the jesus standpoint i really don't see any strong similarities one, Jesus didn't want to die. He knew he had to do it, but if he didn't have to, he wouldn't. Two, as said before, Jesus didn't fake anything. Three, the purpose of his death wasn't attention-seeking, it was a sacrifice. And looking at the last track on the album, I think if it was about Jesus' death slash resurrection, they would have just said it. Good point, jabroni. <laughs> so... <laughs> To, to that point of, like, why would they, their fans wouldn't necessarily know that movie. That just reminds me of a little, speaking of a little story from my life, talking to Reliant K. So, like, at Soul Fest in New Hampshire, hanging out with the band. And I, I feel like we were hanging out sort of, not at their, we were hanging out, like, in one of the other merchandise tents, right? Uh-huh. And we were just like standing around there, and you know, people with Reliant K and some other people around there. And at one point, I don't remember what the reference specifically was I was making, but I said something, and then I was like, "Oh, like that movie? If you ever saw it, Half Baked." And I'm like, and I'm like, you said you you know that movie? And then Matt Easton said, "Yeah, I know that movie." 
And I'm like, so I asked him, do you know that movie? And he said, yes, right? But still part of me being at a Christian festival was like, oh, we know the movie Half Baked. <laughs> we're, we're part because the part of me felt just a little dirty <laughs> right. talking about the movie Half Baked at a Christian festival. Right, like this is stuff because like we talked about like both our parents were a little bit more where where our parents were way more liberal when it came to yeah. consumption of media. Like there wasn't a line like uh, I was the one in our family who really discovered Christian punk. Like my mom <laughs> did say like hey you can go to the Christian record store right. and find Christian music that sounds just like your music, but she didn't make that a, a mandate. And I, I was more like, oh, there's music that I like. I'll go check that out. It was me who brought Christian media into my parents' house. Right. Um but yeah, still, but still, like talking to Reliant K about <laughs> half baked at Soul Fest, I was like, I was like looking around, I'm like, hey, we're part of the cool club over here. Well, B ball chick one two three four, uh, twelve years ago said, "Get your head in the game, B ball chick one two three four. <laughs> said, "This is like the only song on the CD that I find kind of weird. Suicide is such a serious issue that I don't think that they should joke around about it. The music is good, though. What if someone who looks up Reliant K and tries something weird like that? The tune is really catchy, though. And then Oh So In Love 11 years ago said, If you take this from the guy slash girl angle, which it's kind of aimed at, you would have been my wife. Duh. But yeah, both ways as always. Wouldn't she... (laughs) Just, like, smack him in the face for making her devastated, etc. Well, then she'd shag him senseless, obvi. And then she does the, like, funny face, like, eyes with the tongue sticking out. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'd hit him first. Tongue sticking out face. And then Grapey Duckling 12 replied, oh, my fucking gosh, me too. See, that's that's what makes me that that's I feel that that interpretation sort of supports my feeling about the song that it is an ironic thing. Like, yes, in the real world, no matter what, she would slap the guy. <laughs> like, if you recreated the, the in the actual real world, mm-hmm. if you recreated the events of this song twenty times, nineteen of the times. The girl's going to be horribly pissed off and slap the guy and not yeah. want to even see him. And like, un- yeah, which and we we as a society, unless in- you want to shag Matt Tyson. <laughs> well, I do, but that's not the point here. IRL, we know that she would be pissed off about this actually happening. But there in the parallel universe that only exists for whatever, however long this song is three minutes, right? It's just in that world where it works that way. And we in the real world are supposed to laugh because we know it doesn't work that way. And I feel like that interpretation by whoever that was, was that B-Ball Girl or somebody else? Uh, That was oh so in love. That was oh so in love. As you just said that, you were like waving around a metal reusable straw (laughs) like a crazed conductor. (laughs) Look. We've had a lot of heavy discussion in this episode. I think it's time we reset and just sort of like, I'm not saying if you're depressed that this is going to cure your depression, but I'm just saying let's sort of like reset our minds a little bit and watch this song set to a bunch of Can I Has Cheeseburger Cat memes. (laughs) 
There's two cats jumping at each other, and it says, I love you this much. Here's two cats fighting, and it says, hey, hey, you. I don't like you. This it's one. Like, hey, hey, you, you. I don't like your girlfriend. Oh. It's just a bunch of kitty cats. Oh, there's a puppy, and he's got a cone on his head. That is a says, cat with a cone. Oh, OMG, where's the floor? <laughs> I think this is the best interpretation of the song right here. <laughs> he comes back to life, and he's like, I let you know that Kenai has cheeseburger. <laughs> and she's like, of course you can has cheeseburger. Um, that's probably the the nicest, most pleasant one. Well, now I just feel so overjoyed and like our love is so alive. Now, Jessica, you saw BBC's Sherlock, yes. right? Yeah. Was there a premise in that show where he had to fake his suicide at yes. one point? Because I oh, would... wait. Well, I think he just faked his death. Oh, okay. Because... There's a lot... Of, that's the thing is that, that, like, faking your own death is, like, a very common action movie thriller sort of plot point. Yeah, maybe if he just had said, I'm faking my own death, but he was basing it off of Harold and Maude. Right. So then that's specifically faking a suicide. Yeah. I And maybe suicide, <laughs> as trite as it sounds, maybe that just fits the meter of the song a little bit better. But if it was faking my own death, it probably wouldn't be having the same discussion we're having right no. now. There are two different BBC Sherlock AMVs that I found set to this song. I didn't watch them because I wasn't, didn't want to, I'd already heard the song 45 times and I didn't really care about BBC Sherlock. I'm oh, I sorry. thought you just didn't want to spoil it. I also don't want to spoil it. Eventually, it. someday I'll watch that, but they're so long. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I like videos that are five minutes and that's it. Actually, 30 seconds. Instagram's best. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's an, one of the gender swap adventure time, the Fiona and cake AMVs. Nice. There's a house MD AMV. And then there's this one, which is from, I know your favorite movie of all time, Jessica. Oh no. You love Balto. (laughs) You love the story of the Alaskan, (laughs) the animated story of the Alaskan dog. And then just some random shots oh, of Lion King. King. But here's the thing. Those are the only shots of the Lion King that are in this video. Really? It's and then it goes back Disney to Balto. Movies? No, it's just, it's all Balto. Was Balto Disney? It was Disney, No, right? Balto wasn't oh, Disney. Oh, it wasn't. I don't know what studio it was, but it wasn't Disney. It, it was very Disney-esque, but it wasn't Disney. Does he fake his own suicide in Balto? I, 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 it's your favorite movie. You tell me. <laughs> Um, but he <laughs> never seen Balto. They explain at this point this was originally going to be both Balto and The Lion King, but then I found it easier to edit with Balto. <laughs> Don't we all find it easier to edit with Balto? Like it's so much but harder to edit with The Lion left. King. That's why they did the remake shot for shot. Yeah, and they still just left in. Two Lion King clips. Yeah, but then they'd have to go back in the timeline, and they'd have to like. Oh. Messes up the pacing. I understand. Um, they had the song set. They had to match the pacing. I get it. I, I one thing I I we're, we're moved past it, but I just want to say it real quick. Is in one of those fan videos, and I skipped like three other ones. I didn't even show to you. In one of them, after he fakes his own suicide, he walks outside, and he walks across the road, and is like an ironic thing where now he gets hit by a truck, <laughs> right? But then he wakes up and the whole thing is a dream. 
but it's funny. I wish I, I don't want to go back and find it. But the way he gets hit by the truck is they like kept the frame perfectly still and waited mm-hmm. until the truck came through. And then he also ran out into the road and stood there. Oh, and right. then they edit it frame for frame. Right. So he, he doesn't just get hit by a truck. He magically disappears as soon as the <laughs> truck comes in the frame. Um, here's, and here's, okay. We'll that go was back. a very clever way of doing it, though. It was. <laughs> There's one other fan video that I'll, I'll oh, show. Oh, goodness. Done in MS Paint. Um, this is by... Oh, I thought it was a cat. It's a bow. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, a lady with a bow. It's a stick lady with a bow on her head. And it, Hannah I thought S. this was a cool cat thing. In 2008, made this music video. We'll skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> and it's just little stick figures, and they're just like... <laughs> and then at one and a word pad pops up and w- they type out faking my own suicide because they got lazy of making it in MS Paint and they're just little stick figures this is the only video that I feel got really close to visualizing the t- what I feel is the tone of the song mm. because it is supposed to be cute it right. is supposed to be this like Sort of the Harold and Maud, like Wes Anderson, sort of like cute, artsy idea. Mm-hmm. But with this theme that <laughs> we've now discussed, he does show the he does show the suicide as a hang, as a fake hanging. Well, you have a stick figure. What else are you going to do? But he also shows it being fake. So it is a stick figure. Oh, you're right. It's a stick figure. Of course, he hangs himself. Hangman. Yeah. You, you're so much smarter than me. <laughs> And now, <laughs> for those of you that are still with us, we can move into covers. Would oh you be my gosh. Because we talked about how covers really help you unlock the meaning behind a song, right? We've been sitting here for so long and I totally forgot but, we still had covers to get to. There were a lot of covers, but they were a lot of the same. There wasn't a lot of different sort of stuff that I hope to find. A lot of just usual guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. Here is the best solo guitar cover of the song by Hannah Wiest on SoundCloud. So I've made up my mind I will pretend to leave this world behind and in the end you'll know I fly to get your attention I'm faking my own suicide think of hannah weist weist i really liked that i like that sort of like slow sultry burn she puts on it yeah yeah i like that also song a lot less offensive sung by a lady 
you women get away with murder. <laughs> you should all wear mood rings. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that. That's nice. She she takes out the wife and just says, you would have been mine. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed leaves that. It open, leaves it open to interpretation as far as gender. That was a great cover. Um, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of other covers. Most of them are sort of the same. There's a ukulele cover. Um, oh, there were a couple. Oh, and you know what? I totally forgot because some of these are covers and also music videos because people just loved making music videos to this song. This one, at least they sort of interpreted it in a, in a very different way. And I feel like if you were going to make a video for this song... Oh, Danger. he's wearing a thing like, like, like the cover, like yeah. the album cover. He's wearing a hoodie like the cover of the yeah. five score. And the puffy jacket. They use a lot of interesting, like, um, depth of field and... Mm-hmm. Uh, focus things out of focus on purpose. Yeah, it's a cool shot. I don't know what city they're in, but they're walking around the city, sort of in the winter with no snow. And at least they interpreted what they did. That's a little different from all these other fan videos. Is that they interpreted it where he's walking around with this photograph of this girl and he's sad the whole time, but he doesn't. They don't actually show him faking a suicide, which is the number one thing, yeah. which breaks the ironic concept that I understand this video to be to show a literal suicide, even even though it's faked. They do something totally different. They just kind of get like a tone going, and he just walks around the city with this girl's photo in his hand. <laughs> he looks like Peanut Butter Gamer a little bit. <laughs> um. <laughs> Maybe it's just because he's running around with a wide open frame in the middle of a field, which is something Peanut Butter Gamer does a bunch. Um, and then there's one other, so a lot of other covers, and one other one I found is this one by Nasa J. Mick, M I K. And it's just an acoustic cover, but when I first put it on, I got really excited because I thought that this was going to be something really unique. And just listen to what I heard when I first put it on. When I heard that heavy, staticky background, I was like, all right, is this going to be some yeah. sort of doom metal version? <laughs> it's going to be some crazy noise, like yeah. just like really bizarre, like digital noise interference version. No, it's just like a really bad recording of this guy's oh, acoustic version. Let's give him a little listen real quick. He sounds nice, but the yeah. recording's just so bad. Um, How great would that have been though if it just like opened up into like? <laughs> it would have been great. That's what I was. That's what every time I look for covers, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, and then I guess the last cover I'll play is "Dirty Buster Minnell." Uh, has this fake in my own suicide, and it's kind of like if a less soulful Nick Cave sang his own version of "Fake in My Own Suicide." I know you love me You just haven't realized I'm faking my own suicide To hold a double funeral Because a part of you will die along with me 
with your red right hand. I can't believe Leonard Cohen did this before he passed away. I said Nick Cave. You say Leonard Cohen. Whatever. Same joke. <clears throat> so that's about it for covers. Uh, we've already had such a heavy discussion that I don't think, you know, covers are going to change our point of view on the song at this point. <laughs> I think we have a pretty good concept of what the song is. Oh, so last thing we'll do. I found, bar none, double plus, the most cursed video, which is kind of fitting it would be for this song, that of a Reliant K fan has ever uploaded. This is by Topher Band in 2014. And they did what they probably thought was going to be all rustic and cute, like a campfire version of the song. But their camera that they set up on the opposite side of the campfire from them it autofocuses only on the campfire, so only in the most sly, like, Slenderman way can you kind of see their faces in the blackness behind the, the fire. <laughs> yeah, turn that brightness all the way up. Yeah. You can see them in there a little bit, but then the fire flickers once in a while, and you see a neck and a hand. Yeah. Oh, it's a pretty sweet guitar he's actually got there. One yeah. for the for the two frames, I can see it. Uh, and let's hear a little bit of it. Faking my own suicide, cause I know you love me. You just haven't realized what's oh, faking my own suicide. Hold a double funeral because a part of you will die along with me. But you can't see anything. Yeah. It's, all you see is a fire yeah. and two logs. And they, they especially like they put like nice text on it, like they edited it, and uh, they it's just it's it, normally cursed videos are like really JPEGed. And low res. This is actually pretty high res. You just can't see anything but yeah. these ghosts behind the fire singing this old haunted hymn about the man who faked his own suicide to get the woman to love him. So, that's about it for faking my own suicide. Please, if you're still listening, <laughs> uh, let us know what you thought of. We did not expect this episode to go this way. We thought it would be of more fun, like, hey, we're yeah. going to laugh at this song yeah. that sort of like doesn't fit the tone of the world today. But right. no, it, we found much deeper discussion. Um, again, call, uh, send us an email. Like, Let us know uh, what you think of anything we discussed today. Uh, SadieHawkinsPod at gmail.com. We're on our Instagram and Twitter. You can, DS, DM, you can DM us there or message us openly. Uh, both Sadie Hawkins Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And again, the phone number is 402-95-SADIE and leave us a voicemail. And last time, just, just to let everyone know again, if you have, have similar understanding to things that Jessica talked about today or things that I've talked about. If you have your own opinions or your own feelings and thoughts on the topic of how Reliant K dealt with this song or how other works of art do or don't deal with suicide properly, let us know what you think of that. But if you have any sort of negative thoughts that might cause you to harm yourself 
or if you know anyone who that might happen for, please make sure to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. And we'll catch you later. (laughs)